Ah, yes, friends, on a Monday, it's OGP, the one giant podcast where, as you know, we are your hosts over here, Adam Marbrecht, over there, Andy Makowitz, healthy, wealthy, and wise, though I'm sure uh, from an NCAA perspective, you wanted the Cinderella darling story to continue local, Jersey, St. Peter's, they've been smited from from the, uh, what was it, Elite Eight, right? Yeah, well, you must have been excited because they finally got to the point where there was there was uh, so little games that you didn't have multiple games going on at the same time. Because I know that you absolutely hate that. Like, like the NBA, the NBA starts you know? games at 10 a.m. every single day, and they ration them up till that's midnight. Right, so like, that's what you that's yeah. what you like uh, on the Nets <laughs> side of things. But listen, I love a good storyline. St. Peter's was a great storyline, but I also like really good college basketball. So like. It, it feels like that story kind of ran its course and it ended at the right time. It would have been crazy if St. Peter's was in the final four, but of course the cream rises to the top and, and you've got four, you know, blue blood ish um, teams left in it. And I'm excited for that because it's kind of like the Titans are going, you know, head to head against each other. The only problem with a Cinderella story is when they lose, it tends to be a blowout, right? So you end up not getting a really good game as you get deeper right. into the tournament. That's probably that, that's that's the unfortunate part. You'd like it to at least have been on a buzzer beater. Game winning shot. And they're like, yeah, they, they go home, but they, they had a valiant effort, not they're right. down 40 in the first half. And you're like, I, like I literally turned, I'm like, what's golf doing? Like, what other things are on TV, right? That being the case, before we dive in on, we're going to uh, update a. a Former New York Giant could have potentially returned. We don't know for sure yet, but a fan favorite and local New Jersey product. We're going to get it on the James Bradbury conversation. And then John Mara, he's out there. Plesh, blessing? Pressing the flesh. Getting in front of the microphone and giving us some sound bites and some quotes that we can dissect a little bit more here. But real quick, just before we dive in, over on YouTube this week, you're going to see at least two, possibly three bonus episodes where I get on with a Ray Route and Lawrence Owen, they are two guys uh, at DPN underscore Ray, also at Colts Law. They cover the Indianapolis Colts. They cover the New England Patriots. They cover football in general. They are awesome guys going back to the sportscaster days. We had a great kind of general quarterback NFL conversation. So that's just going to be a bonus free content for everyone to check out. A great conversation. We're hoping to do some more with them as the season gets underway. But as our offseason continues to roll along, one Jabril Peppers on the mind heads up to New England. It looks like at least he's in the building, shaking hands with Joe Judge, thinking about there being a connection there and possibly signing with the Patriots. Is this bittersweet for you when we think about obviously fan favorite local New Jersey product? I think a lot of fans were hoping as the market dried up that Peppers may be coming off the injury, could return on a team friendly contract. But if there's enough traction here, I'm certainly thinking he's going to want to go somewhere where there's a guaranteed probably role for him. Yeah, he's been rehabbing in the building with the Giants. He's been in the facilities. Obviously, he's well-liked within the Giants organization. But this actually speaks to Joe Judge not really losing the locker room as much as some people may say that he did. It sounds like, you know, for all the things that Joe Judge did wrong, it sounds like the players still appreciated him. Jabril Peppers going up there and, and, and meeting with them and looking at New England as an option kind of just reinforces that, but this would be such a Bill Belichick move to be able to get someone as versatile as your Bill Peppers. And then all of a sudden he comes back from his injury and looks exactly what giant fans are, are hoping that he could have been. Um, but nonetheless, you know, coming off an injury, it's tough. It just shows even on a, on a small deal, a minimum deal, the giants just don't have the cap space to take flyers on people like peppers right now. 
that's what I was about to say too, is it just comes down to the money piece. They had to, you know, rearrange dollars just to be able to bring in some backups, you know, even at a team friendly number that that still is going to be something. And if you're probably the giants and you're dribble peppers and you're having conversations while you're rehabbing, you go opportunity here, of course, you know, good for you. And it takes one thing off the table for the giants from an all season perspective. And then also maybe crystallizes what they need to accomplish in the uncupping draft next month. The other than bigger name, I would say is of course, James Bradbury, it was ramped up as high as possible about the trade speculations. Then it died down. Fans thought that the Giants were going to outright release James Bradbury. But as at least I felt comfortable sticking to, the Giants are going to be willing to ride this thing out and see if a market develops for him. And now it seems like there's at least two or three, uh, surprise third team, that are vying potentially for the veteran quarterback, which makes a lot of sense when you think about the Kansas City Chiefs and you obviously uh, think about the Indianapolis Colts, two teams that are looking to compete right now this year. Yeah, well, they're also it's reported the Texans have interest too, so there's sure. three potential teams. Which which one is not like the other? Like, go figure that the Texans are in on this. Um, I will say real quick because we're going to talk about the other two more more practically as far as what could happen. The reason why I, that that's a veteran, right? If you're the Texans and you're a young team bringing in a veteran to help that unit, I could understand that perspective of it from Bradbury's side of things. I, I think it'd be interesting if he chose to go there. Yeah, it would be strange if James wanted to lead a team that had two, three wins last year. It doesn't seem like that that would be the path. But um, it is interesting because there was a lot of reports, Adam, that came out and said, oh, the Giants might outright release him. The latest is that uh, the Giants are going to have to eat a bunch of money in, in order to be able to move him, take on more of his salary than just a pure you know trade that would have saved $12.5, 13000000 on the cap for the Giants. But again, we go from Drupal Peppers not being able to be signed. The only reason we're having these discussions about Bradbury is because the Giants desperately need this cap space getting going, you know, as we approach into the, the NFL draft. Yep. I, you know, this is, you know, Pat Leonard is the one that report, was reporting this, saying that these are the three teams that are involved. It feels like maybe this is a little bit of uh, the Giants trying to pump up the value back again from James Bradbury and let's give it another go, like throwing three more teams in the mix, saying that there's a, a bunch of different interests. But in all honesty, we're going to have to move off of James Bradbury. I think it's pretty clear at this point that he's not going to be a part of this team moving forward. I think it's just a matter of Joe Shane finding the right time with the right situation and the right capital getting back. And, and I mean, do you, do you think it's inevitable that he's gone and it's going to be for a fourth round pick at this point? Yeah, that's what's interesting about so these two teams. We talk about the Colts and the Chiefs if it, at speculation, at least at best. You know, obviously, and then even you can throw in the Texans who got a lot of capital back when uh, we're talking about Deshaun Watson, right? So all of these teams are teams that this offseason have increased the number of assets that they have available to them. Carson Wentz trade. We know that even though the Colts got back, Matt Ryan didn't cost nearly as much. And then the Kansas City Chiefs with a Tyreek Hill trade. So when you look at like Kansas City and the Colts, you see two teams. Kansas City is going to have the 94th and 103 in the third round, and the 121 and 135 in the fourth round. The interesting thing when you look at them is they still don't have the money to take back $13 million on a James Bradbury contract. There's been speculation that they're still looking at some other veteran cornerbacks on the market that they could just sign outright. But can the Giants and Joe Shane massage the draft value as high as possible by saying, listen, we don't want to eat $10 million in dead cap plus the number this year going into it. So if we take a little bit extra on the salary and you can get James Bradbury for under 10 on the books this year, 
Can we get 103? I, I think that's unlikely, by the way. But can we get 121 instead of 135? Or can you throw in a seventh rounder next year, right? Can you maximize whatever you're going to get out of them here? I think it's just going to come down to, like we've always said, Joe Shane and the Giants looking and going, okay, is that deal worth it to eat some of that contract to get back X draft capital? Or do we do we continue to push this thing down the road a little bit? Understanding how strapped they are for, for cash right now, but how far can you push it? to wait to see right through the draft when teams do or do not get their quarterbacks and maybe the values there, or at least the team willing to take on all of the dollars possible. This is the calculations that they're doing there. I think, you know, it's coming. It's just a matter of, of, of how far are Joe Shane and the giants willing to push it to get the most value. Yeah. And it feels like, you know, James Bradbury has been the consummate pro for the giants. It feels like yeah. you don't want to leave him in limbo if, if you don't have to. Right. So at some point he's going to say, Hey, you know, if, if the offers are all the same between the three teams, this is the place I want to go. Or can you help me find a way to navigate there? Or maybe sure. they broker a meeting that James can, can meet with them and, and get comfortable or acclimated. But yeah, it feels like this has to end sooner rather than later. And it's, it's sad because he is an asset and that's the reason why other teams are interested in him. But just because of the Giants cap situation, he, his contract cannot be on this roster the day that the draft comes around. That's just what I'm convinced with. Incidentally enough, too, Ronald Jones signed with the Kansas City Chiefs as well. I'd speculated we talked about, you know, that might be an interesting landing spot for Saquon Barkley. Potentially, that's the other piece in the background here. So it's like, you know, the the, the musical chairs, people keep sitting in them and the Giants have maybe less and less partners, potentially, whether it's for a Bradbury or for a Saquon Barkley. Anyone looking to move to free up that cap room, it seems like it's becoming difficult waters, more and more difficult waters to navigate. And uh, that falls on the head of not only Joe Shane, maybe, right, but the, the big man upstairs. Well, you, you just mentioned Saquon Barkley, and there was a few recent comments that included Saquon Barkley from one John Mara. And John Mara came out and said a whole host of things. And we're going to go through those because this will be the, the, the meat and potatoes of the show. But one of them was, we are not actively shopping Saquon Barkley, which is a nice way to say, like, we're not out there looking for him, but it doesn't necessarily remove the idea off the table that someone could offer a high pick and they would consider it. Um, but that was just one little nugget. Usually that would be a big like thing for us to talk about in the offseason, Adam. But there's actually more. There's more than that. And the first one has to be about Daniel Jones, right? Oh, of course. So obviously, you know, we 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 sit here and we talk about what has or has not been Daniel Jones career to this point. But I, I'll tell you what, man, the initial, the initial comment from John Mara being people are realizing it's by far the most important position in sports. And either you have one or you don't, we think we have one. He said a variation of this earlier in the off season mentioned how we've done everything we can to screw this kid up, but I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say, Hey, John, people aren't starting to realize like, people have known that the quarterback is the most important position. Like that, that was just a weird, it's just like a, a verbal misstep of being like, you know, we're starting to get the sense that having a good quarterback is kind of a big deal around these parts. It seems, it just seemed odd. Well, like John just seems like an odd guy when he well, talks. Sometimes. To be fair, to be fair on this one, I will say that there is a little bit of context behind it. They asked him his opinion on the QB carousel and why there's so many big deals happening. Why did Russell Wilson move? Why did Matt Ryan move? Why did Carson Wentz move? Why did Deshaun Watson move? Yeah. And all this flurry of activity, what he was saying is that teams are just not standing pat anymore and they're willing to like commit tons of assets to be able to make a move. Now, saying like, hey, over the last year, teams are realizing if you have a really good quarterback, <laughs> right. you can you can have a chance to be something in this league. The right? way that you just said it of like, oh, teams aren't standing pat. They're going and being bold and making big moves. 
that sounds like what John Mara should have said. Not, yeah, it seems like people are realizing QBs <laughs> are important. Like you just said it so much better than John Mara was able to. But, but it, it, what is your takeaway on this when we contextualize it to Daniel Jones? Because I continue to stand by. None of this matters. It means absolutely nothing. It impacts nothing. It's just John Mara and, and, and any GM or owner of a team. It, it's all just circumstantial conversation that they happen to be having. I love that you're asking me that question because I do have some some thoughts on this, Adam. First right. is, he's the owner of the Giants. He can say whatever he wants, right? <laughs> like, that's what happens when you're the owner and not, like, the manager or the director of, a, like, if you own a team or a company, like, you get to say pretty much whatever you want. Like, that's that's the benefit of being a billionaire or being rich enough to own a team. So that's fine. The, the second thing is, I, I saw on Twitter a lot of people criticizing John Mara saying, you're, you're killing Joe Shane. You're losing leverage in our, all of our negotiations. If teams don't think that we're in the market for a quarterback, then they're not going to be nervous and they won't trade assets and do all this stuff. That is absolute nonsense. And the reason why is because if you have assets under management, you should be constantly praising them in public to anyone that you hear from. Do you have a franchise quarterback? We think we do in Daniel Jones. Do you have a number one wide receiver? We absolutely love Kenny Galladay. We love him. He's a true leader. He's a number one. Why would you bash your own assets to stress them so that they're not as valuable to other people on the open market? It makes zero sense. And the last thing I'll say, and, and I want your feedback on this, is the Giants pick fifth. If people think that the Giants are in the market for a quarterback, then they're going to trade up in front of the Giants. And they're going to look to the fourth pick with the Jets saying, we know the Jets don't need a quarterback. Let's trade and get in front of the Giants as opposed to being a trade partner with the Giants. Yeah, I think so. So my big thing is my opinion is that every other team around the league right now just looks at the Giants as a spot that they could go to in the draft if they want to get something done, right? So, I mean, to your point, I agree with you. There's no reason. You should be talking glowingly about Saquon Barkley. You should be talking glowingly about James Bradbury, right? Like, this is a guy that doesn't fit our scheme, but boy, do we love him. He was nothing but a professional for the seasons that he was with us. He led that secondary. All those great things, to your point. Build up the value of your assets. Now, listen. How much does that move the needle for other teams when they're thinking about allocating assets to get a guy? I don't know. But to your point about at the top of the draft, like, yes, if the Giants came out and said we're in the market for a quarterback, well, then teams would be inspired to move further up the board and try to make deals with the, with the Texans or with the Jets to get ahead of the Giants to get a quarterback. It's all relative to me. You know, I, I think it's fine for the Giants to play things close to the vest here to not worry about. I hate to put it this way. The Giants aren't relevant. Like, this isn't a team the way other teams might be in some of these positions. Like, to me, I think, like, we talked about Malik Willis. Could that be an option? Boy, would that be a really sneaky way that the Giants got to this draft and then said, oops, you guys didn't realize we were waiting to take Malik Willis at five. More than likely, what I think it is, is everybody knows the Giants aren't in the market to draft a quarterback this year. They're going to wait until next year's draft class. They're playing the string out and they're trying to fix their franchise. Like, and I think that that's kind of the obvious thing. That's a little bit different than the way some of these other teams could be at the top of the draft on a given year. And that there's this, this push and pull about how they feel about prospects and, and, and the musical chairs that go on there. I think that the Giants are a team that gets to trade down. So teams get over Carolina, right. Or get ahead of someone to accomplish what they want. I just want, our coaching staff, our general managers and ownership to be on the same page. And they have been very consistent about Daniel Jones since the start. Brian Dable said, 
you know, well, Joe Shane said, I think that, that, uh, you know, Daniel Jones could be a capable quarterback in this league. Sure. And then he interviews Brian Dable for the job. And Dable says, I can work with Daniel Jones. You have ownership saying, we think Daniel Jones is the guy. Guess what? If in the draft, they come out and they draft Malik Willis and they say, after meeting Malik Willis and really evaluating more tape, we think he's the transformational guy. And they all agree. Good. Like to this, to, to your point, like him saying that we think we have Daniel Jones continue to build him up until another option that's better becomes available. There's no detriment. I mean, there's no detriment to saying any asset that you have is really, really good because yeah. look at what the, look at what the Cleveland Browns have basically done with Baker Mayfield, right? Like they've, they've destroyed him to the point where like people, people know that they have to get the $18 million off the books and like, they're not willing to give up a first round pick or a second round pick. They've put themselves in that spot. That's what they did to themselves. I think the giants are, are doing this right. Whether you think Daniel Jones is the guy or not, he is going to be the week one starter for this team, most oh, likely. Maybe so, we don't know. Yeah, that's just well. Well, let's 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 give him every opportunity to be successful and give him the positive vibes from the coaching staff. Can I real quick before we get into the second piece of the John Mara thing? I I I don't know if we said this on the podcast or not, but I do keep coming back. I, I keep having this thought around the Daniel Jones piece, and, and they're saying all the right things, and that's good. Um, but I do keep coming back to this thought around. The idea that you want to give him any, every chance to be successful, and we, we always talk about he's, he's maybe he's Josh Allen light from a skill set standpoint. There's two things a, about it that tie into his performance. But the idea that we think that potentially Daniel Jones could be a serviceable top 15 quarterback in the league, like shouldn't that be the reason that you don't want to stay with Daniel Jones? Like if the ceiling for Daniel Jones is being a serviceable middle of the road quarterback, because this is something I talked about with Ray and Lawrence, where it was like, well, you know, look at Dan, look at what Eli Manning was able to do. And it was like, right. You know, the rare combination of being a guy that has middle of the road stats for his career and is also capable of being one of the most clutch quarterbacks in NFL history and taking you on epic Super Bowl runs when you also have those defenses around him, et cetera. Like, I just, I don't know. It, it gave me pause from that perspective on where we think the ceiling is on Daniel Jones and then tying it into coming from Buffalo and Josh Allen, looking at it and saying the things that we think they may try to do with him are not necessarily things that Daniel Jones has proven capable of being able to do from an athleticism skill and also health standpoint. Well, so this is a tough one, Adam, because I don't know if I necessarily agree with you uh -oh. on all of that. Because, because look, we've seen it throughout the course. We've seen it throughout the course of, of, of time, Adam, the idea that like you have to be 13 and three and win a Super Bowl is not true. Like it just doesn't happen. You don't have to be that type of, of, of person or player or whatever it may be. You can certainly, you have the ability, Adam, to be able to finish 10 and seven, sneak into the playoffs and get hot at the right time. And so the idea is like, you just need a ticket to the show. As Eli Manning has showed you before, the, the best teams that the Giants had were wildcard teams that made runs, not when they're 13-3 and three and winning the division. So for me, what I'm saying is like, if you can find a competent enough quarterback to just not screw it up and then you just get catch fire – in the postseason, like that's what everyone's looking at because only I know, six or seven teams it, make the playoffs. Right. No, no, and, I, and I agree with that. Like we, we, you know, like you can go on those runs. I mean, I, you know, my, my philosophy is growing, is evolving a little bit on it around like the elite of the elites, right. Who are the, 
the top two or three quarterbacks that are clearly head and shoulders above everybody else, even some of the most talented quarterbacks in the league, and whether or not every other franchise outside of those two or three should be willing to rotate through guys with consistency, whether or not Dallas should have paid Dak Prescott, whether or not Lamar Jackson should get paid big money by the Baltimore Ravens. Like Those are the kind of questions I think about now. But again, hasn't Daniel Jones shown to this point already? How many games can we point to over the course of his career where it was like, and a big chance for Daniel Jones, interception on the goal line, and a big chance for Daniel Jones, sacked for a lot. You know, like, I think, to your point, it's, it's, it's okay to look at it and say, get me to the dance, but you need to have a sample size that says you can be clutch like that, including Eli Manning's rookie year when he came in and took over for Kurt Warner and led them on a game-winning drive at the end of their season, right? Like, that was the symbolic gesture of, hey, guess what, guys? I'm going to be able to do this for us. I don't know if Daniel Jones has shown that yet. And more specifically, to tie into uh, John Mayer's other comments, can Daniel Jones, like Eli Manning, already has shown he can't, be an Iron Man? Can he show up and be healthy with consistency as we look at John Mayer's secondary comments around the well, team? Well, that's where it gets a little bit interesting, Adam, because they go on to talk about, like, we think we have one. They're like, well, why hasn't he shown it yet? And then the, the famous quote that he just said yesterday was the last four years, we had more injuries than anybody in the league. And a lot of them happened on offense. Sure. And the first, and the first thing I think about is like, okay, every team has a lot of injuries on offense or defense. We've been making this excuse constantly for Daniel Jones. Like he doesn't have his weapons on the field. And it's like, yeah, but at some point, like Daniel Jones would be 39 years old. And we're like, man, if he just had that weapon last year, like he would have been the guy. Like I, I get it. Like you can only use this excuse so many times. Like it should just be very simply like no excuses anymore. This is the year we find out if we have our guy. And and, and instead it's like, let's make every excuse in the book. I, I don't know. Like, how do you feel about him touting injuries as the reason why Daniel Jones hasn't been able to do what he needs to do? Well, I, I, unfortunately, but that's a part of it, right? Like, so we're talking about, oh, this year, like, again, I personally, I like Daniel Jones. I'd like to now at this point with where my perspective is be proven wrong on him. I think three years is more than enough. He's not going to be the franchise quarterback like this and, and pointing to injuries. You can't do it. Why? Because some players just get hurt. Some guys are guys that have injuries like that. Now you look around the league and say 17 game season, not everyone stays healthy forever, et cetera. Like, okay, guys are going to miss time, but there's a difference between getting little nagging injuries that maybe you play or can't play through or need to miss a game along the way versus like Daniel Jones. Now we're talking about, listen, you know what the dirty little secret in the room is? We don't even know for sure that Daniel Jones can be ready for week one. Like we have no idea if he's physically going to be ready to play. He suffered a neck injury. Like, you don't have to go too far back to remember David Wilson and how his career just so abruptly ended off of an injury like that. Like, I, I that is something that you cannot use as the excuse for not knowing whether or not you have a franchise quarterback or, or just a quality player. Yeah, he hasn't been able to stay healthy. There is thousands of NFL players that they say that about and don't make it to their second contract simply because that's the reality of it. Now, QB, you want to give as much leeway as possible, but that's just a part of who he is now. Same way that... Eli Manning had fumble issues, right? Same with Daniel Jones has turnover issues. He also has injury issues. It's just part of who he is as a player. Well, so the, you talk about dirty little secret. I think there's a little bit more to this comment that needs to be kind of double clicked into Adam about mm -hmm. the injuries. They're just kind of like, oh, we've had bad luck and people have gotten injured. It's like what the sentiment is like, oh, if we just had better ah, luck of injuries, yeah, like we would be there. And right. It's like, actually, let's let's kind of dive into that because. There's whispers all over the league that MetLife is 
far and away the worst field to be able to play on. And players are frightened of being able to get injured there, Adam. Now, listen, the, the, the numbers are skewed because the Jets and the Giants both play at MetLife. But since its inception, more players have gotten injured at MetLife than any other stadium in the NFL. Like, that's a reality. And when you wonder, like, why? Why are people saying all this? It's the field turf at MetLife. And a simple thing, this was a Sports Illustrated article that um, has been passed around a a little bit on the internet recently. But over a six-year period from 2012 to 2018, they studied all the types of injuries that happened in the NFL. And they realized that there is a 28% higher non-contact injury rate playing on the turf that the Giants do rather than playing on grass. That is like not an insignificant number. And that is not a small like set of data that they looked yeah. at when you're talking about six years worth of injuries. Does anything pop off to you? Like when you see that number 28%. Well, I mean, listen, you're talking about again, that's another player, right? Four players are going to go down to injury over the course of a year Add a fifth one. Right. I mean, and a little bit more than a fifth player. So, I mean, you're talking about in a given season, having another, having an extra player over every other team in the league or, eight players go down for a given team. Nope. It's 10. If you play at MetLife stadium, right. Let alone if you're, if you're opposing teams coming in and suffering injuries there as well. The big thing that jumps out to me, honestly, is this, we, you and I talked about this going back to last year. Remember players coming in and saying, we don't like playing at MetLife stadium. We don't like the field turf. It more speaks to like, what are you doing? John Mara? Like, this is not, again, this is not new information. Again, ah, we're starting to realize quarterbacks matter. Where's the tack hammer to hit him over the head, right? Like, yeah, that's obvious. Likewise, guess what? Playing on turf, not good for players and health and injury. So the fact that you haven't been willing to invest and fix that problem at your stadium, it's another glaring concern. And it really does speak to, we think they've, you know, turn the page with Dable, with Shane. Okay, turn the page with every aspect of your franchise and get this thing up to speed. Well, we talked about the percentages of non-contact injuries are higher, but but think about this and we'll take it a step further. Of all non-contact injuries, turf has a 32% higher chance of knee injuries and almost a 70% higher chance of foot and ankle injuries. Like, it's no secret that the turf itself is the only thing that's separating the knees and the ankles from, like, what is happening. Clearly, the turf is an issue. And for some reason, like, why have why has no one asked John Mara, like, directly are you going to change this? Because people are fearful of getting injured on the turf. There's a story that they held um, uh, George Kittle out of a game. Like they thought he was maybe going to be ready to go for San Francisco oh, yeah. week three against that. the Giants. Yeah. And they held him out because they were afraid of the turf. They're like, we don't know if he's going to be ready to play because of where we're playing, not of his injury. Like this blows my mind that this hasn't been directly addressed. It's like, why aren't you putting regular grass in here? People are afraid to play here. And the data suggests it too. And incidentally, if you, I mean, you want to talk about what's, you know, what's the future hold for Saquon Barkley, where have his injuries taken place? They weren't all solely at MetLife Stadium. But again, like, I think that if you, and Daniel Jones, neck injury, nothing to do with turf. But when you think about having high talent, skill position players, I, I, this should be an even bigger factor. Think about Kadarius Tony, right? This is the human joystick. You want this guy to be able to plant his foot and shift and make defenders miss and everything else. Well, what's the likelihood that you're going to either one, on an individual play, have him take an injury that he's less likely to on grass or two, what's just the wear and tear? Like what is the wear and tear that you put on your team and players' bodies and their legs, their knees, their ankles, everything else over a four or five or six year span that you could lessen simply by having grass. Yeah. Listen, man, I'm, I'll be very interested to see. I mean, this isn't, again, this isn't entirely new data, 
But the idea that John Mara is framing it as, boy, oh, shucks, we've been unlucky. I'd love to hear this offseason that the Giants are making this switch based on some of the new staff and the people that have come into this organization underneath Joe Shane who are looking at this, this information going, no, we can't have this going into you know the first year of a franchise quarterback next season in the draft or if we're going to have Saquon Barkley to try to build his value at the start of the year. You know what we're going to say? Let's get some grass out there so we know Saquon's healthy if we're going to want to trade him or you want to utilize him, like whatever it is. I just, you got to hope that they make a switch here because I, I find it borderline criminal to still have it out there. Well, point. so so I think the, the big takeaway from this, and and I'll, I'll kind of sum it up for us. At the end of the day, Adam, if you right? Could. If you could. The, the two biggest comments that John Mara made were like, oh, we still think, like we've realized that the NFL really like quarterback play is, is huge. And we think we have one. So like he, he's saying that they're, they're like kind of just realizing that like the league as a whole. And the second thing is like, I sat with our, this committee and I sat down and they showed me every single injury and we have the most injuries. Like, is anyone asking why? Like that is the key to it. Not just like, Oh, we had bad luck. We're the most injured. That's why Daniel Jones should be there. It's like, why are we getting injured? Is it the field turf? Oh, this other data suggests field. Like, why is no one double clicking into the que- into like the next step of all these questions? I don't understand it. Yeah, the two. Yeah, the two. It it doesn't make oh, sense. Man. I'm I'm John Mara. You know what? Uh, uh, a friend of the show, Pizza Mike, has been saying for years. He's like, you know what, John Mara needs to do is get the hell out of the building and stop fucking around. Because like whatever you hear, he just sounds like a guy that we know. He's so invested in the team and he wants it to be good and he listens to the fan base. And yet when you hear something like this, to your point, he hears it. It's two parts. One, he hears it and thinks, man, that's really unfortunate for us. Anyway, I hope it gets better this year. And two, why don't you already know that? Right. Why That's- are you finding out that you will suffer the most injuries at MetLife Stadium? You are so invested in the success of this franchise. You are like the, the, the you know a fan of this team as much as you are an owner, and you don't know that your team is suffering critical injuries on turf and that you're suffering injuries to other players from around the league, right? Like that's the part that's inexcusable. This is your franchise and your organization and your field. And you're like, oh my God, this is as bad as when Dave Gettleman said, we're going to get some computers in there. Some guys are going to crunch the numbers. We're, we're with the with the analytics. We get it. It's like this, 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 that's what this feels like. It feels like John Mayer being like, hey, do you know that there's information available to make you a better run organization? And he goes, oh, and he doesn't absorb it. He just goes, huh, interesting. Adam, if if John Mara is saying just a couple days ago he found out that the Giants are most injured, and you and I, two guys that run a Giants podcast, have been talking about the injuries for a year or two now, yeah. and the rest of the league has been talking about it, like that is the point. Like, what are we doing about it if we're addressing it and you're just picking it up a couple days into the offseason? Well, hey guys, that was fun, huh? We uh we highlighted maybe the Giants are going to make some moves here to free up some cap room, maybe get some assets back for James Bradbury. We'll see what comes of Jabril Peppers. Obviously a fan favorite, nothing but love for him. But when you're coming off of an injury and the Giants are in the state that they are, this is what happens. And then John Mara, you know, I don't know, King Boob. Either way, we'll come back in. We'll keep breaking down all the information. As I said, keep your eyes open over the next couple of days for all that bonus content over on the YouTube channel. Really appreciate the support over there. Hit the like button, follow it, get the podcast, get those needs fulfilled. We continue to build our way towards the NFL draft next month. And as Andy Makowitz would want, need and nay demand the people know. As always, let's go big blue. 